Good day everyone, you're listening to Time for Your Hobby, and this is episode 173, Exploring the Submerged Rock Bottom. I'm your host Alex, and today I have the honor to have Jacob as my guest on the show. How are you doing today? Good, how are you? I am doing fantastic. Jacob was just talking to me a little bit earlier on, and he has a lot of hobbies, and I love how all his hobbies are a little bit different, and they touch different things, but today we're going to be talking about one specific one that is pretty unique. I haven't touched it yet, so this is perfect. So thank you, Jacob, for just coming on and coming with so much enthusiasm and ready to talk about this hobby. Awesome. So before we start to talk about this hobby that I just hyped up like crazy, we're going to talk about Jacob. So who is this magnificent person named Jacob? So my name is Jacob, as you can tell. Uh, I'm from Michigan and I'm a freshman in college this year. Uh, I'm 18 at uh, the University of Michigan in Flint. And uh, yeah, I'm a shipwreck diver. That's dope. (laughs) I just have to say that right there. Shipwreck diver. I have a lot of questions to ask, but I have to pace myself. I'm ready. ready. Come (laughs) at me with your questions. Well, the first question is first, because I know people would be super curious to know where they can find you online. So do you have any social media links, websites, or projects that you would love to share so people can come show you some love? So I'll share my Instagram and my Snapchat, which I think it's both the same. It's uh, Jacob underscore Masaro, and that's spelled J-A-K-O-B underscore m-a-s-s-a-r-o perfect i'll put that down in the description below so people can go check that out and show you some love and now we're just gonna dive into it yes pun intended definitely pun (laughs) intended nice pun. i like what you did (laughs) yes it was all planned since the moment i started this podcast i was waiting for this one single pun oh i knew it now i know i'm jumping the gun but this is a question that i did not write down but do you know the ships are already down there beforehand or do you go free roaming and looking for ships Okay, so <laughs> uh, both actually, I've, we've done both. So uh, I can go into that now, or I can like go into the story kind of later. It's you know what? It's up to you. If the question felt right at the time, we we're gonna go with the question at that time. <laughs> yeah, sweet. So uh, some of these uh, ships I've gone on, like they're they're well documented ships, and they're some of them are like national sanctuaries, and they kind of preserve them. And then, but I've also dove in. Uh, gone diving on shipwrecks where like uh i was like with a team of researchers and we we went looking for one and uh we actually found it so i I can go into that story in a little more detail later on the line i have some follow-up questions to that for sure (laughs) but right right there's got to be some sort of order to this podcast apparently so we're speaking about order how did you actually get introduced to shipwreck diving awesome that's just what i was about to talk about so (laughs) you read my mind uh (laughs) So first, it started off like with how I got into diving. Uh, I was actually like pretty young, like probably just a young teen. We had like this expo at uh, a neighboring school where they had like the local dive shop set up in their pool and they they, uh, just take you out in the pool and uh, let you dive in the pool for free. And I loved that so much that I wanted to get into it more. And I did some research. And when I was a little older, I found this really awesome organization. It's called the uh, U.S. Naval Sea Cadets is kind of like a JROTC type program, but it's like naval and it's a lot cooler. So the reason I decided to join it is because this specific division that I wanted to join has an 81 foot uh, long naval ship on Lake Huron, which is if you're not familiar with the Great Lakes, the Great Lakes are so big. It's like basically the size of a sea. Uh, you can't see from one side to the other. And uh, they also do uh, diving. So They'll take you out on the ship and the middle of Lake Huron, you get to do some diving and it's just really awesome. I've never even heard of a, another program that's anywhere 
near like that. It's, it's just a really unique, awesome program that I was so lucky to get involved in. Now, you mentioned that you first started off by diving, by doing it in the pool. Now, with shipwreck diving, I would imagine it could be already scuba diving is could be dangerous. But with shipwreck diving, there's a chance that you might get hooked onto something or something might fall on you. And so it's a weird question. But have you tried practicing in a pool with some objects to try to see how you can maneuver? Because when you're swimming, you already know your own body, the dimensions of your body and how yeah. what can touch. But when you're scuba diving, you have extra parts, maybe the tank, some goggles, the, the flippers or other things that can hook on. So did you do any type of training to know more of your surrounding and maneuvering through objects? So there's not really anything you can do in the pool, really, to like train to like go inside of a shipwreck. Uh, with shipwreck diving, there's like a lot of the times you're just swimming around the outside of the ship like exploring the ship uh but actually going into the wreck is like it's a whole nother story and it can be like a, a lot more dangerous because uh you can easily get stuck and like it's it's really dark it can be really dark in the ship so you want to make sure you have a flashlight or else you might not be able to see and uh you could kick up silt and uh a lot of people have died getting lost in shipwrecks and so it can be pretty dangerous if you actually go inside well, hopefully you've never found another body while shipwreck diving. No, <laughs> okay. no, luckily. But you're talking about you bring lights and other type of equipment. So that's actually a perfect segue to my next question of what are some key elements you bring along with you while you shipwreck dive on top of the flashlight? This just goes along with normal scuba diving too. Obviously, you got your tank, your BCD, which is a buoyancy control device that allows you to go up and down. And uh, you got your fins, your uh, regulator. So when you actually, if you, if you want to go inside the ship, you're going to need to bring like a spool of line with you to like attach to the outside of the ship so you can swim in in case you get lost so you can find your way back out. I've never actually gone like deep into a shipwreck. I've just swam like through a, like a, a little portion of one, but I've never gotten like really too crazy with it. So, but if you, if you want to go in uh, actually like inside the ship pretty far, then you're going to need a line with you. And I would imagine it'd be smart to scuba dive or shipwreck dive with a partner or a few other people just in case, right? Oh, for sure. Definitely. Always have a partner. So on that note, do you have one person that you always like to go diving with? Uh, so most of my diving I did like with the group that I told you about, the sea cadets. And uh, we would go down in like pretty big groups. I never really had to worry about finding a dive partner then. But now, since I'm in college, it's a little bit different. So I don't currently have anyone to dive with and I'm trying to get back into it. And uh, yeah, so I'm currently looking for a dive buddy. Well, whoever's listening that goes to Jacob's university and would like to go diving with Jacob, Jacob would greatly appreciate it. And I would oh, greatly yeah, appreciate okay. it. <laughs> <laughs> and when you do go diving, I'm sure you have a plan on for the ones that you do look for the ships, shipwrecks or shipwrecks you are planned out to go see, I'm sure you already know what you're looking for. Do you bring like a checklist? Like what do you tend to look for exactly when you go researching a new shipwreck? So when you go to find a shipwreck, some of them can be intact, but some are not very intact. So what you want to look for is unnatural items that like don't blend in with the regular seafloor. So like uh, any long boards or any metal objects or rope is often a good indicator. And um, with some ships, if they if they sink while they were relatively intact, like you'll be able to see the outline pretty good of the ship. But <laughs> if it got really damaged, then 
you might just have to find some boards just scattered all over the the bottom of the floor. So, and I would imagine as well that the creatures who live down there have pretty much used those ships to make their new home. So, have you ever seen, uh, let's say, a fish or a bottom feeder or anything like that that just used the ship in a cool, unique way? Well, <laughs> it was kind of underwhelming uh, diving in Lake Huron. Uh, there's not there's not a whole lot of uh, sea life down there. So uh, even going down like 80 feet under the in the water, uh, you expect to see these big fish, but you see these like really really small fish just swimming around down there. But they like this structure though. They they really do. They like fish really like that a nice little structure that they can hide in and live in. So you see some small fish down there. It's small fish who think they're big fish. At, they're big yes. fish at heart. Yeah. They are. They are. <laughs> and so, okay, instead of just the creatures themselves, what is the most interesting shipwreck you have ever seen? Oh, boy. This is a hard one. So, um, <sighs> making me choose. <laughs> all so of them. There, all of them. <laughs> yeah, all of them. But there's this one in uh, particular called the Regina, which was uh, a big, it was like a 250 foot long steam freighter, which wrecked in uh, Lake Huron. I think it was in 1913 it wrecked and it's sitting down about at like uh, 80 feet of water. So yeah, I've, I've dove on that quite a few times and that's one of my favorites. It is so huge. Once you get down there, like the water is really clear so you can see really far, like 40 feet in front of you. But so when you, when you go down, you usually you go down to the point that you go down to is you go down to the back of the propeller because it's a huge propeller prop that's like sticking up i don't know it's probably like 40 feet off the off the floor so uh we we tie off to that and we we go down as a group and we meet up and gather around the huge propeller which is really really cool it, it's just incredible to see that and then you look down the hull of the ship and you can't even see the other side because it's so long it, it's just insane it's really surreal okay so on that note how long would it take you to go from one end to the other oh boy it, it was it's probably like a we go like kind of take our time and go a little slow, conserve our air and also just just look around and uh, enjoy it. So probably like take around like eight minutes. That's, that's quite the workout. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm sure you see this as well, but do you also take pictures or videos to capture a memory or just document other, other things? Yes. Yeah, uh, so a lot of times when I went down, I didn't have a camera, but on this particular shipwreck, uh, someone lent me their GoPro and I took it down there. I got some uh, videos. So it's pretty awesome. I bet you that could be cool to just have it playing on your background and your, on your computer just to oh, have yeah. that smooth and be relaxing. Oh, that'd be that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it is. And it's really nice to just go back and watch it. So like, because sometimes like your memory isn't always the best and just to see like to get a refresher of what you actually saw. And it, it's, it's pretty awesome. Has it ever happened that you look back at a video and you're like, whoa, I didn't notice that the first time I saw it. Not quite because like <laughs> uh, when you're there in person, like everything's a lot more more clear and like in front of you. But uh, it is, oh, I, I love going back to look at the videos to just give you a refresher of uh, how awesome that was. And for you, what would you say is the best thing or the best part about shipwreck diving on a personal and an emotional level? Uh, so the best part about diving, uh, shipwreck diving for me is just... Uh, pretty much everything about it, just how enjoyable it is and how rewarding and being able to see like these historic relics that are preserved in time uh, on the the bottom of the lake floor. It's, it's just incredible. It's such a surreal experience that you can't get anywhere else. And <laughs> 
it, it's just really cool. And speaking of which, not getting anywhere else, a weird segue, is there anywhere around the world you would like to go shipwreck diving? There's lots of cool places in the world. I haven't been to Lake Superior, which is which is another uh, one of the Great Lakes, but it's it's a lot deeper and colder. So, and there's a lot of really cool shipwrecks there too. So I would want to go to Lake Superior sometime. Yeah, there, there's cool places all over the world to like go to some tropical islands and stuff where the water is actually warm. And, uh, <laughs> and now I heard this is a misconception or a rumor that the Bermuda Triangle loses a lot of aircrafts and ships. Would that be a place you'd like to go venturing? <laughs> oh, sure. Why not? I feel like every five, every five like seconds you see another ship, like, oh, there's one, there's one. You would have to like try to maneuver, kind of like going through a crowd, like, excuse me, excuse me. All right. <laughs> that would be pretty dope. So you said you'd like to go to Lake Superior and other warm places around the world. Where have you been? So all of my diving that I've been on ships have been in Lake Huron. But uh, I, I just figured I'd tell you a little bit about some of the shipwrecks I've been on. Other, like I already went over one of them, the freighter, which is one of my favorite to dive on. But uh, there's a few other ones that are pretty cool that I think deserve a nice little mention. So uh, another one of them is called uh, Monahansett, which is also in Lake Superior. It's in pretty shallow water. Uh, and what's really cool about it is it's it's also like an old ship from the 1800s and it's a steamship. But what's really cool about this is it, it's really well intact, but it's split into like two parts when it sank. So you have the huge boiler, like a huge steam boiler uh, that's that's intact and you can actually swim like through the inside of it. And it's oh, it's so cool. See that. And there's also like another part of the ship where there's like the hole in the frame of the ship and there's a big propeller there, too. And uh that that ship's a, a really nice, uh, really nice wreck. And if, if you want to look it up, it's called the Monahansa and it's in Lake Superior. Uh, I've also been on a shipwreck called the Mary Alice, which is it's a tugboat. It's it's a newer boat and it's only like 30 feet long. So it's not like a huge boat. What's really cool about it is they sink it on purpose. Uh, really? So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They sink <laughs> it on purpose. I think it was like damaged or something. So they just took it out to the middle of the water and just let it sink. So it's in really good shape and it's cool because you you go down there about 90, 90 feet and uh, it's just really clear water, really cold and uh, everything's intact and you can even like swim into the pilot house, which is like where they where they uh, steer the ship and there's still like the wheel intact and everything and it's it's a really awesome wreck. Okay, now I have to ask, why do they sink them on purpose? I think it's because it was like damaged and it might have been for something like with tax reasons or something. I forgot huh. why <laughs> I heard about it though, but can't remember why they did. I don't think but Mother Nature likes did. that that much. <laughs> I'm glad they did because it gave us a good diving spot. So, Do you ever, let's say you're just reading the newspaper or searching online and you hear of a new shipwreck, you're like you're just waiting for it, like a ship that just went down. Are you like, yes, let's go today? <laughs> So I haven't really heard of uh, many ships going down uh, in lakes and Lake Huron recently. But if there was, then yeah, I'd be. Pre <laughs> I don't want to say I'd be excited. If no one was hurt, then I'd be excited about it. We'll just say that. Yeah, it's not going to be one of my RC boats. I don't have one. But if, <laughs> if a little like plastic boat sinks, you're like, yeah, I'm, Alex. No, I'm not going to go see that. It's it's gone. The fish I ate might, it. <laughs> I might. <laughs> it's like the size of my foot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now another tough question to ask you is what are some do's and don'ts when it comes to shipwreck diving? Okay, so I'll get into don'ts first. So obviously, don't go inside of the ship unless like you're you're with 
a, a group of people or like with another person or if you're experienced because it can be really dangerous. It's a lot more dangerous than people think because there's a bunch of silt that gets built up inside. And uh, when you're breathing and your air bubbles come out, you, it, it stirs up the silt and it can become to where you can't even see anything at all. Like uh, and you and you just get lost and disoriented and then you just get stuck in there. You run out of air and then you die, which would be terrible. So just know, know the risk if you were going to do that. I've never like actually gone into a situation like that because that's kind of dangerous. But uh, you can go into like if there's like a more open part of the ship, like if you just wanted to go into like the pilot house where they steer the ship, just go in a little bit, then that's not quite as dangerous. But if you actually wanted to go like inside the ship, then that's pretty dangerous. So you better know what you're doing. Also, don't take things uh, out of the wreck because mm. a lot of these are like uh some of these shipwrecks are like preserved as sanctuaries and uh there you you don't want to be taking things like relics out of them even though it's it's really cool but that's a problem that a lot of these ships have had there's been a lot of divers that have came and taken things from them and, and it, it just uh takes away from the site and uh it, it kind of takes away from it so where like other divers that dive on it in the future don't get to see everything and uh so yeah, don't take things from <laughs> the the shipwreck itself. But onto the dues, definitely when you when you uh, go down, just take time to appreciate it and just realize how awesome it is and uh, just how surreal the whole the whole uh, moment is and just yeah, just enjoy it, enjoy yourself down there and take pictures if you want or record some videos and uh, yeah, post those online. Exactly. Don't take anything from the ship because if people start taking more and more stuff, then the ship will be gone. Then there's yeah. no more shipwreck. And like uh, Jacob said, the best thing to do is to take some photos, videos, and just keep those memories and share it with the world if you like. But encourage people to just respect it as a landmark, not as a buffet in a sense. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. What are some misconceptions about people who go shipwreck diving? So I think one misconception would be. Uh, I think like when a lot of people hear the hear the word shipwreck diver, it, it might sound like something that's extremely hard and something that not anyone could do. But it, it's really not. It's not like that hard. Uh, the program I'm in is is that I was in was like it was a bunch of if a bunch of teenagers can do it, then pretty much anyone can. But you just got to get the proper certifications, and it, it's really not impossible. It's not like outrageously expensive. So it can be expensive, but there's ways to do it on a budget if uh, you do your research right and if you go th like through the right organizations and, and stuff. But uh, it, it's definitely possible. It may say, sound like something that not most people can't do, but I, I would argue that most people could do that if they actually really wanted to. And it's really worth it. It's awesome. So, so basically what Jacob is saying is that if I can do it myself, Alex, anyone can do it. <laughs> yeah, you could do it. <laughs> now, you're mentioning research. I'm bring, bringing this back a little bit, but you did mention at the beginning that you did a research uh, shipwreck dive. Mind going into detail of what was the goal of that? So what was really awesome about this was this is just my first uh, my first dive certification class. So just my really basic certification class. And at the end of it, uh, the captain of our ship, because we were on our ship, uh, wanted to take us out into some open water dives. Before that, we have only done pool dives. So he took us out into Lake Huron and he decided he, he's like into scientific research and stuff. So he decided to kill two birds with one stone. And he brought a professor from one of the, the colleges around us called Wayne State. 
kind of scientific college. He brought one of the professors along who was looking for a sink. It's like an old barge. I think it was from the 1800s that had sink. And he was trying to locate it and like going off of like the old maps and stuff. He had found where he thought it would be. So uh, our captain just uh, sent us down there to dive around. And uh, believe it or not, we actually found it. And it was really awesome. And I got to dive on it. And it was pretty sweet just thinking that we were able like it's just so cool. Like we found a lost shipwreck. And so it was pretty awesome. That was was really cool. Do you guys get to name the shipwrecks or do they keep the same names as the boats? Nah, I think they keep the same names as the boats. So, (laughs) And uh, on the note of finding something that you thought was lost, what was the oldest ship you have ever found while diving? Uh, The oldest one I think was this one that we went on. We didn't find it. It was like already there, but we dove on this. It's old schooner so this was before steam power is like this was when they had sails on them and it was called the chickamauga it's like it's like you you were you know the classic shape where the pirate ship shape is that shape of ship so yeah we dove on that it was pretty cool it was it was all wooden so it was like a bunch of wooden boards that was in the shape of a a ship that was split in half because it it split in half when it sank so that that's got to be the oldest one that we dove on that's pretty cool. I would imagine like the wood, how did it maintain throughout those years? Actually pretty well. When you see the wood down there, it's it's covered with algae and barnacles and stuff. So you can tell that it's in like the shape of a ship and that it is wood underneath, but it's not like brown. It's It's completely covered in like algae and stuff. So this might be a really stupid question, but I'm sure you've seen your fair share of shipwrecks. So, have you ever developed this skill to see a shipwreck and determine how long it's been underwater just by looking at the algae on there or the metal rot- rotting, uh, rusting, or anything like that? Just to, like a guesstimation, like, mm, okay, this look, it's been here for five years or this has <laughs> been here for 50 years. Uh, I wouldn't say necessarily that I'd be able to tell by the algae and stuff because. <laughs> The algae can cover up a ship pretty quick. So like the same with like a, whether it's 100 years old or like 50 years old, that algae amount would probably be the same. But what you can tell is base is like the design of the ship. Like you can tell if it's an older one, like from the 1800s, like you'll see uh, like steam boilers on it. Or if it was a like a schooner before steam power, like you can tell that it's it's a there's no engines or anything. And you can like see the mass on it like where they where they had the sails and like the shape of that or if it's a newer ship you can tell just by like the design of it just by knowing like a little bit of basic knowledge about ships you can kind of tell and i would imagine that throughout this time of you doing it you've learned a lot more about ships and you can identify them quite easily now yeah i've learned i've definitely learned more by (laughs) going on these shipwrecks Uh, hopefully it it does and doesn't happen at the same time but what ship would you like to see in a shipwreck dive. <laughs> Sounds really like, oh, I would like to see a giant cruise line, but nobody in it, but just some giant yeah, cruise yeah. line. <laughs> no like, one in it. Definitely yeah, not. no one in it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what I would really like to see would be, like, I dove on a on that one freighter I told you about, which was 250 feet long, which was really, that was big for the time. But uh, today we have thousand footer freighters. So I would like to dive on like a more modern freighter that's really really long so i think that would be really awesome to see like a a freighter that sank more recently like a really huge one be pretty dope and i could be wrong but would pearl harbor have some shipwrecks there yeah yeah i think uh i'm pretty sure there there uh, is one forgot the name it might be the arizona 
Uh, don't quote me on that. But there is a <laughs> ship that did sink in the harbor, and I think they left it there. And I'm guessing, would this one be on your bucket list? I, yeah. If, if <laughs> I haven't researched it, so I don't know if they allow divers in it or not. But if they do, then uh, heck yeah, for sure. And for the most the most cliche question, I'm sure whenever somebody thinks of shipwreck dive, this one comes up. I'm sure you already know what I'm talking about. The Titanic. Is that one that you would like to see? Oh, boy. <laughs> that one is extremely deep. So, uh, yeah, the pressure of the water, would, unless you were like in a really strong submarine, like the pressure of the water would just crush you instantly. But if it was shallower, then yeah, that would be, that'd be awesome. So, in other words, would you ever go in one of those pressurized mini submarines? Oh, man, that would be a trip. That, that would be kind of scary. But yeah, <laughs> maybe. So whoever's listening who has the resources or the capability to make this happen, get in touch with uh, Jacob and, you know. Yeah, get in touch with me. Don't be afraid. <laughs> I'll answer. I do not have much else to do, so. Yeah, and it's part of life experience. Yeah. And speaking about life experience, what has shipwreck diving taught you in life? It, it's kind of taught me to just take some time back and, like, enjoy life more and not to be afraid to go out and do things because shipwreck diving may seem I don't know how it sounds to like the average person, but it may sound like it's really crazy or dangerous or oh, I can't do this. But uh, just if you go out and do it, you realize that you can do it and it's really awesome and you're glad you do it afterwards. So just kind of it's taught me that when you when you hear something that you really would want to do, instead of coming up with excuses for why you can't do it, just go out and do it. And uh, it's really rewarding most of the time. Yeah. Do the Nike slogan. Just yeah, do just it. Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> and then follow the Adidas one. Impossible is nothing. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> and what has shipwreck diving taught you in life? Mostly taught me to go out and do things and uh, yeah, not to make excuses for why not to do things. And also it, it's uh, taught me, hmm, that's a good question. It's taught me <laughs> uh, more communication skills as well because uh, when you're down there with a dive team, you got to have good communication skills. So just, yeah, pretty much stuff like that. And by communication skills, I would imagine it's not necessarily verbal. It's more body language and symbols, right? Yeah, it's it's body language. There's a bunch of symbols you learn in uh, the diving course. So uh, there's there's so many symbols. You honestly probably will forget a lot of them, but the really important ones that you need to know, yeah, you'll, you'll have to use those. and. It's really important to know. Now, this is another stupid question, but do do you ever, for fun, just do those symbols out of water with people who do dive, just for fun <laughs> communication? Uh, <laughs> not really, but I love the question, though. That's a good question. <laughs> but we do have we did have to practice those out of water while we were learning them in our class, of course. So yeah, we were just signaling around, and it was kind of weird, but it was it's something really good to practice because you. You got to know what to do when you're in the water. And out of the, all those symbols, what is your favorite? Not necessarily do like, oh, I like the one that shows that we're panicking. Just the the body movement. They're like the very, <laughs> yeah. do you have one the that panicking. you like, oh, I really, this one I feel connected to. It's a weird question, but yeah. Oh, okay. It's weird. I'm going to have to kind of explain it. So when you go down <laughs> and when you're diving, you have to do something called equalizing, which is you have to like plug your nose and like blow a little bit of air into your ear to like, you know, like when your ears pop, you kind of have to. And then you have to do that. You have to do that as you're going down. Because what happens is when you're diving down, the air gets, there's a little air pocket in your ear right there. So if you don't keep on like putting new air 
in it. Like as you go down, the pressure, the water pressure for outside will build up around your your ears, and it'll be a really sharp pain, and it hurts a lot. But you can avoid this by constantly like uh, doing your your clearing while you're going down, just uh, gradually every few feet or so, just putting a little puff of air, like blowing it into your nose. And uh, but if you can't equalize, so if you can't do that. What you got to do is you got to like point to your ear and then make a little like hand gesture. And that means that you have to like go up a few feet and then do your equalizing and then go back down. And that's just something really helpful for me because before I knew that, like diving was really painful. So that's something important to know. And for a lot of people, I'm sure more people have flown in a plane than they have di uh, dived. Yeah. So it's, you can do the exact same thing when you're going into a plane because it's that same kind of pressure. Just going yeah. up. So there is a little fun fact, if it's a fact. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's really important when you're diving because water pressure can build up fast. So Yeah, you're not going in, in a plane underwater. That's actually, <laughs> have you, that's a weird one. Have you ever seen a plane? Oh, that'd be really cool. But on the side note, I'm really glad you brought that up because we did go looking for a plane. So there was a, a World War II plane. I don't know how many of your listeners are familiar with the Tuskegee Airmen, but they were the African-American fighter pilots in World War II. And in Michigan, there was a training base for them, and they were doing some training evolutions. And then one of their uh, planes crashed in Lake Huron, or a few of their planes crashed, crashed in Lake Huron. So, yeah, so our the sea cadets like, that I was in, one of our uh, missions that we went on is we went looking for one of these pl crashed planes. So we had to go on. There was a lot of locations that uh, an underwater archaeologist has spent like two years marking like with a, a, a underwater sonar mapping the, the bottom of the floor and a bunch of like I think a few hundred points of things that could possibly be a part of the plane wreckage. And so what our task was to do is our team of divers would go, we would hit as many of those points as possible each day, go down to each point and see if we could find any signs of a wreckage, which is harder than it sounds because when a plane hits the water at a high speed, it completely like shatters apart and uh, just disintegrates. And so you could be talking about a really small piece of metal that would be hard to find. So we spent a few days looking for that. And unfortunately, we did not find it in the time we were there, but uh, they did find some of the other ones that crashed, but I think we're still looking for that one. But it was just, even though we didn't find it, it was it was really cool uh, project to be a part of, and we got a lot of dives in, and I definitely got a lot better at diving because of that, because <laughs> I had to make a lot of dives on that trip. So, but it was worth it. And you're talking about how the plane, when it comes in, it crashes and it goes into millions or thousands or whatever. Yeah, yeah, a lot, yeah. Of, a lot, a lot of, pieces. of pieces. And so it's a weird note. I know you shouldn't be picking up anything from the bottom of the ocean or the <laughs> lake. Just take a look. So a weird question, but what is the most interesting object you found that you wouldn't you wouldn't usually find in a shipwreck? Maybe it was like a a pocket watch you saw that was from a ship, like just a few meters yeah, away, yeah. or anything like that. Unfortunately, I've never seen like anything quite like a pocket watch. The the most like. Pretty much the only thing that I found that you could actually take if you wanted to was just like nails that have been scattered across like big ship nails and stuff. But there usually is not many like intricate things that you can find either because they might not have been there in the first place or if they were, 
unfortunately other divers may have taken them uh but yeah but on the ship itself probably the pretty the the really the coolest thing that i've seen might have been that uh on the mana headset one of the wrecks i was on there's this huge steam boiler that you can actually swim through and that's probably one of my favorite things to see because it's really awesome this old 1800s steam powered boiler that you can swim through it's it's really cool uh, that must be like a, such a surreal experience. Oh, it is. It's it's awesome. Yeah. Do you have that on camera, video, or photo? I could send you a picture of it like after we're done or whatever. I didn't take it myself because I didn't have the camera on it, but there's like pictures of it online. So. Well, what I tend to do is a week before the episode comes out, I promote my guests. My guests is that's a word. Yes, that's definitely a word. My guests okay. as episode. By showing pictures right. that they sh- uh, shared with me, so they can just show their hobby. So if you have right. that picture, yeah, I'll yeah share you can some mark- pictures with you. Yeah, perfect. Be more than happy to. Nice. Show you some of these shipwrecks I'm talking about because it's hard to explain. You can't really get uh, a picture of it in your head unless you actually see it. Like I can describe it as much as I want, but it's not the same until you've actually like seen it. So yeah, I'll, I'll send some of the pictures of these ships that I've talked about. So get a little better feel for it. I just had a stupid idea. Don't need to do it, but it's really stupid. If you are interested, you can show a picture and put it in a video and describe the picture. And then I share that. <laughs> oh, that'd be sweet. Yeah. There you it's go. That's an idea. idea. I like it. So, yeah. There's no stupid ideas. Just stupid people. No, there's like not. <laughs> uh, so for you, do you want to present this hobby to the world or use it more as an escape from reality? I would say a good balance of both. I would mm. say definitely get more people into it because it's just something so awesome that I, I would definitely, I, I get excited about it and I, I get excited about other people being excited about it. So I would want to get more people in it, but also I wouldn't want to, I don't think it would ever get to the point of where there's way too many people because it's just not something that a whole lot of people really get into. But theoretically, if it had become super overcrowded, like all the national parks in the U.S., that would be bad because I couldn't imagine going down to the shipwreck and then there's a <laughs> bunch of tourists underwater with their cameras taking pictures and you can't even see anything. But I don't Everybody's think it'll waiting ever in line. get like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. But I, I don't think it'll ever get like that. So I'd want to share it. It's interesting you said that because I interviewed a guy a while ago about surfing and I said the same thing and he said, well, he doesn't want to reveal all his secret spots because (laughs) then it'll just bring a big big crowd of people and you would have to wait in line on the waves. (laughs) Oh no, that would suck. Yeah, exactly. So it seems like anything related to water, you got to keep it hush hush. You know, everybody has their own little special spot. That's that's true. And for you, what was your biggest challenge when you first started your hobby? Biggest challenge when I first started... Probably is even if you do it as you can get into it where it's relatively affordable. Like the program I got into was probably I just got lucky because it was extremely affordable. Uh, the Sea Cadet program I got in because they make it affordable to get like uh, the youth involved with it because they know that often like we don't have like teenagers don't have a whole bunch of money and their families might not. So I got really lucky with that program I got into, but it it still probably cost me a few hundred dollars like each trip I went on, which is a really good price. But even then, like probably the biggest challenge is just kind of the price. And if you wanted to get into it like more independently, your biggest challenge would probably be like the price of renting equipment because you'd probably want to rent and 
equipment before you go out and buy it just kind of get a feel for it before you just like go out buying things here and there when you don't have experience but that's would probably be the biggest challenge at first is uh just the price of it but once you get into it you can do it as probably as affordable you want as long as you have like your gear and stuff so on the flip side if that's no longer a challenge what is your current challenge yeah so like i mentioned earlier uh my current challenge is finding a dive buddy so just hit me up if you are in michigan and you like dive even if you're not in michigan but in a neighboring city or state just come on over and just join jacob in a dive yeah That'd be awesome. You did give a lot of good advice throughout this entire episode, but if you had to give, let's say, one big piece of advice for people who might be interested in this in this hobby, what would you give them? So I, <laughs> I, I don't want to repeat myself, but I am <laughs> going to repeat myself because it's just something that is just, I can't stress enough. Like it may be something that sounds like not anyone can do, but like if you're really interested in it and if you think it's something you would like to do, by all means, it's something you can do. And, uh, and it's, it's incredible. Like there's really nothing else like it. So my advice is, yeah, just do it. Just do it. Yeah. Nike, Nike. Yeah. Nike. (laughs) All right. Well, perfect. And I've asked this question at the beginning of the episode, but I'll ask it again at the end. Do you have any links, websites, social media that you would love to share so people can come show you some love? All right. So yeah, I'll share my, uh, Instagram and Snapchat again is, Jacob underscore Masaro, J-A-K-O-B underscore M-A-S-S-A-R-O. And yeah, don't be afraid to follow me. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of followers. So yeah, I'll definitely accept your requests. And also, I just want to put a plug out to the the Sea Cadets organization that I was in. So if you want to find them, just go to greatlakesdivision.org and you can like see like a picture of the ship we have and like a picture of some of the divers and stuff. And if you want to find them on Facebook, they also, they post really cool things to the page. So just look up U.S. Naval Sea Cadets Great Lakes Division on Facebook and you'll find the Facebook page. So yeah, go ahead and check that out. And if you're in, yeah, if you're in the area, definitely. And if you are the age group or if you have like a child or like niece or nephew that's in the age group, definitely just think about joining because it's, it's a really awesome organization and it's it's a really cool experience and it's something I would not trade for anything. They, my experience has been invaluable. It's, it's It was awesome. So definitely look into it. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, you've been sharing so much. People should definitely go check that out. And you know, we've explored the land so much. We have not explored everything at the bottom of the ocean and lakes and rivers and puddles. <laughs> maybe maybe puddles i think the ocean is like less than one percent explored or something like that it's some crazy insane number so get out there in the water go exploring go exploring with jacob <laughs> yeah come exploring with me i'll take you so anytime i'll put all those links down below so people can go check that out show you some love and hopefully expand their curiosity to go explore more of what is underneath us not dirt but in water yeah that'd be awesome And now for the last question, the most useless question because it's not really important, but it's still a question. Do you have any questions for me about shipwreck diving? That's what I mean. It's like, it's like, it's nothing related to you. It's just related to me. (laughs) No, I do have a question for you. So is it something that you would consider doing? I would love to do it. I went diving once and it was such a crazy and great experience. (laughs) But unfortunately in the city I'm in, I'm in Ottawa in Ontario, Canada, and there are no good places to go diving. Yeah, probably not. 
I was in the process of getting my, I think it was called Patty, my Patty yeah, license. Yeah, I went through Patty too. So there you I go. got my certifications through Patty. Yeah, I started at in down south and then it's just, there's nowhere, nowhere nice to go diving around here. The water is so murky. Oh yeah. Murky water is the worst. Like <laughs> I hate diving in murky water. The only way that you can actually find a shipwreck is if you actually bump into it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that, that would be pretty hard. So mm -hmm. the closest shipwrecks to you would be, I, I'm not really familiar with Canadian geography, but I just know Michigan <laughs> borders Canada and the Great Lakes also border Canada. So if you wanted to come out to the Great Lakes sometime, Lake Huron, a lot of people don't know it, but the Great Lakes have some of the most shipwrecks like in the world that you can find and, and they're pretty awesome. It sounds, it sounds weird when you say, you know, Great Lakes has some of the most, the most of shipwrecks in the world. It's kind of like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's something it's like, not many people know, but it's a, it's a really hidden gem. But there's thousands of shipwrecks in the Great Lakes. It's insane. It's, it's a crazy number. Like, it, and uh, a lot of them haven't even been found. So get out there and go explore and find some of those shipwrecks. It's kind of like saying, screw you, Bermuda Triangle. We are number one. <laughs> yeah, we are number one. So, <laughs> Well, for me, the closest lake is actually Lake Ontario. So, oh, there's there's really old shipwrecks. I think in Lake Ontario there might be Lake Erie. I think for sure, maybe in Lake Ontario too. I think there might be some some really old like ships from the ex like the period where they were exploring, like you know the old explorers when they were, they were like trying to find uh, something called the Northwest Northwest Passage, which is like when they were trying to find a way to connect to go like go through America from the Atlantic Ocean to the Pacific Ocean because it would make their trade route a lot easier. So there's there's like a lot of explorers that actually came to the Great Lakes. And I, I think it was either Lake Erie or Ontario where there's like a bunch of like really old shipwrecks. So something to look into. But what you're telling me is I have to go to every single Great Lake, right? Yes, for yes. sure. Yes, <laughs> it's a must. <laughs> yes. Well, that's perfect. I'll have that on my bucket list. Yeah. Just a warning though. Great Lakes are extremely cold when you go down. Like when I go down to the shipwrecks, uh, I would recommend a dry suit, which keeps you completely dry and warm. And you could wear like a jacket underneath your dry suit. But uh, we used wetsuits, just really thick wetsuits, which your skin actually gets wet underneath the wetsuits. It just traps a thin layer of water that your body heats up. And uh, even in Lake Huron, which isn't the deepest or the coldest lake, going down 80 feet in Lake Huron with a really, really thick wetsuit on is still insanely cold it, you would not believe how cold it is it, it's really cold uh yeah it, so. it keeps you it definitely keeps you awake <laughs> oh it does it does so the great lakes can be cold on a weird a weird question so you've done lake Huron. what would be the next great lake you would like to go to that you haven't done yet uh, i'd say lake superior lake superior is colder though and deeper so i would definitely have to get a dry suit for that but there are some insane shipwrecks in uh Lake Superior, that would be really cool. Well, maybe hopefully once everything calms down, uh, you'll be there. And then once this episode comes out, you can share yeah, some photos yeah. from there. And I'd be like, hey, my, my brother Jacob just went there right now or right now, like yeah, a few weeks ago. <laughs> hopefully I'm in Lake Superior by then. So No, not like right now. Actually, people who are listening right now, Jacob is actually in Lake Huron just uh, doing this interview right now. Yeah, yeah, right now. <laughs> I, I'm under the water. I, I'm... Uh, on this podcast from under the waters. Telepathy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
Uh, so yeah, there you have it. Another body with a hobby. Thank you so much, Jacob, for just coming on and sharing your passion and your sense of curiosity with the world. Thank you. The pleasure was mine. It was awesome. If you guys want to learn more about Jacob, I'll put all the links down below so you can go learn more, show some love and watch or even explore or even even join him in his journeys. And if you'd like to be on my podcast or have any questions at all, you can send me an email at timeforyourhobby at gmail.com. And of course, if you like the podcast and want to show some support, you can leave a review. Good or bad, I'll take it. It's all part of growing. And if you want to show some more support, yes, I know I'm doing this all over again. I always do this. Uh, you can buy merchandise with the Time For Your Hobby logo on things you do not need. But it's there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jacob's like, yeah, yeah, I definitely don't need that. And there's also a Patreon that has a lot of interesting tiers and some of them where you can even share more hobbies with the world. But once again, these are only optional. You don't need to do it. But what you do need to do is go show Jacob some love. That's the law. The time for your hobby yeah, show law. show me some love. <laughs> show him all the love. <laughs> so once again, thank you so much, Jacob. Thank you. So until the next episode, make some time for your hobby. Take care.